right. Thanks for joining us here today for the Enrollment Insights Podcast. This is a special edition. It's a little bit different than what we normally do, but things are changing so fast right now. I really want to take advantage of this opportunity to talk to our guest today to learn more about managing and working remotely and how to make that work. I'm speaking today to John McGreal. John is a regional admissions recruiter manager at the University of Alabama. Thanks for joining, John. Oh, thanks for having me, Will. I appreciate it. I want to talk to you about your experience, both working remotely and now managing quite a few staff members. You've been working and leading remotely for quite a while. So what are some of the early missteps you had and what successes have you had along the way? Yeah, you know, when it comes to working remotely, the, the first thing that popped in my mind when, when you asked me this question was, I remember when I first started Alabama, I had been working from home for about like six or seven days straight. And I realized I had not left the apartment and I was like doing laps around my coffee table and I got like really, really stir crazy. And so one of the things that I I thought of when you brought up this question was that I just really felt like I could only work for my home office. It never occurred to me that I could leave or I could even take breaks during the day because you're working from home. So you kind of assume that you have to always be working. Um, And while right now you can't necessarily pop over to your local coffee shop, which I love to do frequently. There was a coffee shop across from my old place in Milwaukee that knew me as the Alabama guy and would bring out a muffin and a cup of coffee for me when I walked in, which was always great. But you can do things to to make sure that you're getting some, some time away from the desk, right? And sometimes you have to physically move yourself and ensure that we're, we're walking away. Uh, whether that's, you know, for me, it's going for a run in the afternoon or something like that, whatever that is right now, especially in our unique circumstances, just make sure you're getting that on in. And then the other big thing that I, that I had trouble with was really saying, hey, I need to step away and I need to stop working at some point. So setting boundaries was really important. I found that I had to basically force myself to stop working. Otherwise, I would have just kept on going and going and going. And because while our work is important to be successful, we still have to take care of ourselves. So we have to be able to kind of step away and know when it's time to when it's time to go ahead and, and quit and say, hey, it's, you know, for me, it's 6 p.m. Hey, it's 6 p.m. I have to be done. So did you have a, a set schedule every day was the same? You know, you worked from whatever time in the morning till six or did you adjust? Did you take some breaks in the day? Yeah, for the most part, I really would try and or I shouldn't say would, I do try and set myself up on a specific schedule. So I make sure that my alarm's going off by 7, I'm kind of up and at it by about 7.15, getting ready to start the day, putting on normal human clothes instead of just hanging out in my PJs all day. Um, and then I do tend to take some some you know breaks during the day where maybe I am going for that run, but usually I kind of count that as my lunch hour because I'm really bad at eating while working. Uh, that's just something that I've always done. Even when I was in office, I tended to work through lunch. While working from home, I can actually take that time, go for a run, get some exercise, and then step back, step back into to work after I get another shower. And most people who are leading remote staff are in an office. You're mm-hmm. both leading and working remotely. The first thing that I really found with that was I kind of assumed everyone was going to respond to my leadership style and assume that everyone was going to understand what my thought process was without necessarily explaining it. Our model, like you said, is unique. My nearest coworker is 200 miles away. The nearest person I manage is 200 miles away and they're all working autonomously themselves. So I really had to, I really had to spend some time and set the expectations for the team very concretely, especially after I kind of first stepped into the role and was like, this doesn't seem to be firing quite the way I want it to. I took the opportunity to 
email out kind of a document that was my my expectations and said, here's what I'm going to expect of you, and here's what you also can expect of me. Um, and I manage a team of nine. Uh, that's a full-time job in and of itself, plus then you have recruitment and working with students, which is a full-time job too. So having those expectations of when they when my staff can expect a response, as well as uh, just different things that I'm going to do, different things I'm going to promise, whether it's trying to be as transparent as I can or provide as much support as I can remotely, uh, that's, that's really important. And the other thing I had to learn, and this took a little bit more time, and I think this is a good, good tip for anyone, whether you're working or leading remotely or doing it in person, is everyone has a different communication channel and a different process that they go through. So you really have to work to explore it. I remember there was a member of my staff that I really had never really jived well with. I never really gotten connected to. And so I just kind of made it my focus. And I took an opportunity to do a little bit of extra travel, which was a sacrifice for myself, but took an opportunity to do a little bit of extra travel and spend some more time with that person to really start to understand kind of how they worked and how they operated. Because we hadn't had a lot of connection before, hadn't had a lot of communication before, and I wanted to make sure I was going to be serving them as well as I could. You know, we talked about routine a little bit, and I think you have to set a, a leadership routine a little bit as well. Um, so I ensure that, that my staff has monthly one-on-ones with me, that there really is not necessarily an agenda. I have a few questions that I always ask that kind of get to the heart of, you know, what, of the work that we're doing, but also ensuring that they're having success. But it's really more so time for them to come to me with whatever questions that they have. And to be able to say, you know, I'm struggling with this specific project. Usually the first 10 minutes or so is really just us catching up. Because like I said, it's been a while since we've talked usually. Um, Then we also do monthly meetings as a team. And recently, especially in this, we've had less socialization. I did a, a Zoom lunch hour with my team, which nothing more humbling than eating in front of your coworkers on a video chat. (laughs) <laughs> so we we did that the other weekend. It was actually great. We spent that time and there were a few work questions, but more often than not, we were just hanging out and catching up and swapping some recipes for what we were eating that day. So we also work really hard to to stay connected and I try and put a few things in there and, and kind of the chiefly among them, celebrating every success that comes and celebrating the work no matter the outcomes, as well as every time that one of my staff members hits a goal. Uh, for their metrics, they get an email about it. And the team, and I should say by they, I mean the team gets an email about it. So it'll be, hey, John hit his housing goal this week. Let's all congratulate him. And That's awesome. That's a great way to try and keep that positivity and that excitement going. That's uh, a little different. You know, you don't have a bell to ring in the office or anything. But right. You still have a way of sharing it. Uh, when I was brand new in admissions, my director had a thing where we'd come and we'd write the first name of the student on a post-it note and put it on her door. Uh, when they enrolled and they committed to the institution. So it was, that's, this is my little way to do that. I think we, we work with too many students to send an email with every student name. That'd be all I'd be doing every single day, but it's a nice way just to, like I said, celebrate that success. Yeah. I can't imagine how big of a door you'd need for Alabama. (laughs) About 1200 post-it notes, (laughs) at least for my team. So someone please do the math on that. We'll, we'll figure it out. (laughs) Awesome. You know, you mentioned routines and, and setting these regular schedules. Why do routines and rituals matter so much? It's really important just to set boundaries and retain some sense of normalcy. When you get working from home, it's really easy to just say, hey, I'm going to do whatever, right? I'm going to I'm gonna sleep until 10 instead or something like that. And then, you're, then you feel behind the eight ball because everyone's been up and working for, for a few hours. So retaining that routine 
is really important. And and for me, it was it wasn't so much about starting the day at the right point; it was ending the day at the right point. And I remember when I first moved to Milwaukee, I didn't really know anyone in the city, and I would just work. I'd wake up at you know at, at seven, like I said, and I'd start work at about eight, and, and I'd work till whenever I felt I was done. And all of a sudden, I realized I was spending all of my time working, and I wasn't really going out and exploring this new city that I was in or meeting anyone. And so that's where the I've got to be done at 6 p.m. thing started to come from. Someone once told me that anything that isn't life-threatening or dependent on the, the world ending can wait till tomorrow. And if, and if it does depend on the world ending and the world does end, well, then it didn't really matter anyways. You know, the work we do is important, but it's not critical, right? It's important that we do the work that we do, but it's not like the world's going to end if we don't do it. So it's definitely something where you can say, hey, we're, we're good for the day. Um, I've done everything that I've needed to to be accomplished for today on my to-do list I specifically set aside. And now I'm able to take that time and really put myself in the right, in the right headspace for, for my personal life, too. Retaining that sense of normalcy, especially now, is not something easy because even even someone like yourself and myself who work remotely, you're still working remotely, but there's still no sense of normalcy. Right, because usually by this point, with being now in my house for the last you know, two, three weeks or however long it's been, I would have spent some time working at a coffee shop by now because that's a spot I enjoy to go do some work. And I can't do that. So I feel like you have to get creative a little bit. So I've set up a couple of times with with friends of mine from the road, from the road, I mean the, the college fair circuit here in Wisconsin. And we actually set up twice now, uh, just a Zoom happy hour where we hung out one time and just had a, had a few adult beverages. But it was a great experience just kind of hang out and do something that felt somewhat normal, even if we were doing it in a slightly different way. Has Wisconsin ACAC or any other organizations you're a part of done anything to help with that? We have... Wisconsin ACEC has done uh, been doing webinars for a while, so we did have one during in the midst of all of this, and I think we have one next, actually tomorrow, believe it or not. Uh, for those of you at home listening to this later, that's uh, April 15th. So we've been doing some things along those lines, as well as working to support some initiatives that are taking place for virtual college knowledge events, specifically the, the StriveScan event that's going to take place at the end of April where there's professionals who are coming in and doing college knowledge presentations. So the second that Dan Savadra uh, announced it, I knew that I wanted to get our organization involved with it. So I did uh, work with him and I had a conversation with our with the rest of our leadership and we were able to sign that MOU to get us on board with them. And I think it's going to be a great event. There's 96 sessions that are taking place over the course of four days. Over 300 colleges and universities have representatives presenting. And I think we're up to over uh, 10,000 registrations of students. Wow. Well, how do you as a leader avoid micromanaging and building that trust in your remote staff? This is a great question. Um, And one that I know is hard for people who are even in person to avoid micromanaging. And the first thing that, that I was very fortunate to inherit was a team that was fairly senior. I only had one recruiter starting who had less than two years experience. So I was able to innately have a high level of trust uh, to make sure that they were going to do what they said they were going to do and what they needed to do to succeed. You need to really ensure that when you are hiring, that you are hiring someone who has the skill set and has the personal drive to do what they need to do. So I think I said that it's about hiring intelligently and focusing on their work ethic and ability to work autonomously. 
You also have to be very concrete with onboarding to make sure that it's been done effectively throughout the process as well. And you're prioritizing what's really important. Another piece of this for me is tracking the metrics without asking about it for, especially those of us in the emissions field, that's leveraging technology, CRMs, and reporting systems in order to be able to track those goals. So when I do that, uh, that announcement email, when someone hit a goal during the course of the week, that's not something I'm asking them to report that those numbers back to me. I've got a report that runs and it's sent to me on a weekly basis. And that's when I check those numbers. So they know that Thursday is um, goal day and they hear an update on the goals. I also have a, a weekly report that I ask my team to send in, but I encourage anyone who's thinking about implementing some of this, keep it simple. Don't do diary entries. I don't need to know minute by minute. I did this at 8.45. I did this at 9.15 because that's going to get old really fast for your staff and they're going to feel micromanaged. So just let it be a weekly thing and give kind of the broad strokes. You know, if my team puts, hey, I did phone calls for to 25 students, I know roughly how long that's going to take. The last thing that I try and do, and I admittedly have slacked on this this past year as things have gotten a little bit busier, um, is I do try and twice a year send out a survey that can be filled out or anonymously. I ask for feedback on my leadership habits and my style and say, hey, what am I doing? What can I do better? Be as critical as you want, because I'm not going to see who this is, but be as critical as you want. What sort of questions did you ask on there? I'm remembering right. It was three or it's just three or four questions, and it's what are three things that you feel I'm doing well? So we want to get that positive feedback. Also, uh, what are three things you think I could be doing better? Uh, what is something that you feel I could add that would support you? What can I do to better support the team? Uh, the last question was, what are or what what is a decision that I've made? that you think I should have approached differently. As someone who's a very high energy and emotion driven individual, it can be hard to see when someone's a little bit critical, but just to ensure that again, you know, they know that I'm approachable and hearing what they're saying. You mentioned earlier about the onboarding process. Mm -hmm. So this is something you've had some experience with and how can institutions plan for remote onboarding and make it successful? Yeah, so up until recently, at least, we had a hybrid model for onboarding. There'd be some stuff done remotely, some stuff done in person on campus. One of the things that, that I stress is to make sure that we're being strategic in how we onboard staff and starting with basically the essential duties, the essential things that they need to know, which includes day-to-day -day tasks, you know, how we go about reaching out to students, how we go about utilizing our CRM and the communications program, as well as meeting the team so that you can understand who you're working with. And we are I'm very fortunate to have a very tight-knit team because that can be really important when you're working remotely as well as to ensure that you have that tight-knit team. And I'll kind of loop to that in a second here. Also, I like to you know go back to what I said when I first started leading, which is, you know, discussing my leadership style and giving them the expectations again and trying to make sure that, that once we have kind of the day-to-day -day stuff done, reaching out to the stakeholders are going to be useful and beneficial for our staff uh, to know as well. So we have a very close partnership with the College of Engineering as well as the College of Business because those are two of the largest programs that we work with on a daily basis. So making sure that they have those meetings set up to be able to get that information and just make the connection to the folks who are helping us with you know, any on-campus operations that might take place there. 
But I really do think it's about being intentional and strategic with that onboarding process to ensure that, that we're accomplishing our aims. So anytime I go to onboard a new employee, I sit down and say, hey, what do I want to make sure they're learning? I then start placing in the meetings and, and experiences that are going to help them achieve those goals as I go through. I also believe very much that training never truly can end for, for any staff member. So at our monthly meetings, if I can, and if we don't have enough other things to talk about, I try to include maybe 15 to 20 minutes of professional development. And also, I really think that getting new staff members acquainted with the team is really important. That team bonding is really crucial. When you're on the road, as much as we are in the admissions profession, it can be isolating whether or not you're working from home. And it's really important to make sure that team is staying together. So we have a team text thread that I was actually off today and I looked. There were 45 texts sent in one day. Um, I'm sure by the time I get back on Monday, there's going to be 45 times five more <laughs> um, on there because we have this chemistry built as a as a group. I was at training this past year. We were getting ready for for some event on on Wednesday night, and one of my recruiters said, "Yeah, someone told me that." Uh, that they, they didn't think to ask me to come because they knew Team Central had their annual Wednesday night event on tra during training because we're so tight. Um, and the remark was, oh, yeah, you're on Team Central. You can't come. Sorry. <laughs> and, it's, and it's really just you know, about keeping that team connected so that they can rely on each other moving forward. Great advice. That's something that I think schools will struggle with because there are openings now. Mm -hmm people being hired now. I know that's something here at Niche that we're still hiring. Things are still going strong and you, know, you have to adjust to there may be people who spend a month or two without actually meeting everybody else, uh, in person at least. So what, what question or questions do you ask your staff to really get at how they're doing? Especially now, checking in is important and it's very easy for someone to just say, oh, I'm fine. I'm doing well. You know, things like that. Yeah, I, I always start off on asking how they are and how their family is, uh, whether we're in the middle of a pandemic or not, um, because I think it's important that they know that I, you know, that first and foremost, I care about who they are, because um, I do believe that you got to take care of yourself, take care of your team, and then take care of your institution in that in that order. And so I ask them how, how they're doing as a family. If I, you know, can remember something that happened recently, I'll ask specifically about that, um, whether it's, you know, a, a band concert for their kid or Maybe their, their pet was having some, you know, some sleep issues or something, you know, ask, trying to remember those things and ask about it intentionally. Um, I also then always ask what they're doing for self-care. Um, at this point, my team knows 100% that in fall, especially and during spring travel, I'm going to be asking them what they're doing for self-care on a, on a monthly basis to make sure that that is being taken into account. It's real easy to get yourself run down and exhausted by the end of it. And then I do also, this is another point where I look for feedback and I say, what else do you need from me to be successful? You know, what, how can I help you in this moment to be able to get that, that information from them in order to ensure that I'm not missing anything? Because it's real easy, especially being remote, that you don't know 100% what's going on in that recruiter's life or that, um, or going on on campus that maybe is affecting some of our processes. So taking that moment to ask what else they need in order to be successful, I think is really important. It's all great. 
John, you're a wealth of information. <laughs> I really just want to thank you again for such short notice here, hopping on and chatting. I hope people took a lot of notes during this episode because I think it's it went from being very important to critical yeah. to be able to work with staff remotely, lead remotely, and now even onboard without meeting in person. Yeah, and I'm happy to talk about this anytime. I really appreciate you reaching out. And if anyone wants to continue the conversation offline, you can find me on our institutional webpage or through Twitter. Great. And how do people find you on Twitter? I can be found on Twitter at J. J.F. McReal. That's M-C-G-R-E-A-L. Real simple. Just my first name, my middle initial, and then my last name. Do well, be well. Uh, copyright cancelment, maybe? There we know, go. But... I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll say it is. <laughs>